Hey there, all you true crime fans. I'm Amanda. And I am Corey. And welcome back to Colorado Crime. You know the drill? We're just two best friends who want to chat about all things true crime. Let's get into this week's joke to lighten things up a bit before we talk about murders. Just a disclaimer, guys. We know that we're not for everyone. So, if this isn't the podcast for you, there's many others that you can check out. Thanks mm-hmm. for stopping by. We loved having you. But don't leave me in comments. Right. We're just doing our best here. Doing our best. Yeah. So, a little bit of sunshine. Let's mm-hmm. have a joke. Okay. You ready? I am. <clears throat> How do moths swim? How? They use the butterfly stroke. <laughs> oh, my God. That's terrible. I know. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't even make sense, right? Moths no. can't get wet, right? Don't their wings get all? I don't know. I don't know anything about moths. I just read the joke. Like, <laughs> don't try God. and analyze it. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. Joke, Amanda. Gosh, <laughs> funny. Well, before we get started, we wanted to take just a quick second to let you guys know that we're now accepting donations on our Casto site. So please don't feel obligated to donate, but you would like to we would absolutely love your support we will have a link for the site in the show notes if you'd like to check it out and thank you if you do yeah thanks i want to throw a little side note in Um, we are no longer doing serial killer tuesday we've just morphed serial killer tuesday into regular podcast friday today we're going to talk about the ever-evolving gilgo beach serial killings otherwise known as the long island serial killings um there's a, a lot of hype going on around that right now because um, they just arrested someone. So, uh, anyway, these killings happened between 1996 and 2011, which, when you think about it and do the math, that really wasn't all that long ago. It all started when a female named Shannon Gilbert was reported missing and a search ensued. That was when the remains of 11 people were found along the Ocean Parkway near the remote beach towns of Gilgo and Oak Beach in Suffolk County. Most of the identified victims were sex workers who had been advertising their services on Craigslist. Shannon Gilbert was a 24-year-old woman who had disappeared in May of 2010 after fleeing for her life from a client's home. She had made a 23-minute long phone call to 911 stating, quote, they are trying to kill me, end quote. About a month after she had disappeared, the Suffolk County Police Department's Missing Persons Division asked Officer John Malia to search for Shannon with his trained cadaver dog. Here's a little side note. Cadaver dogs are specially trained to pick up the scent of human remains. Their work is similar to search and rescue dogs, but cadaver dogs specialize in in detecting decomposing flesh. A trained cadaver dog is 95% effective at picking up scents of human decomposition including bodies that are buried up to 15 feet deep. Cadaver dogs are often used in conjunction with search and rescue dogs, as victims are often found both dead or alive. So I love dogs. Yeah, me too. I think that's really cool that they can... 15 feet deep, that's really deep. That is really deep. And 95% effective, that's also pretty good. That is. Okay, so back to the story. Over the summer of 2010, Officer Malia unsuccessfully searched the gated community where Shannon had been seen last. Officer Malia made another attempt to search on December 11, 2010. 
he stayed close to the shoulder of the parkway. Officer Malia had based his search choice using the FBI data that dumped bodies are frequently found close to roadways. There's a little note for you. There was thick vegetation and a light covering of snow. Despite these conditions, Malia's dog hit on a scent and discovered a disintegrating burlap sack with skeletal remains. If you are thinking, oh, thank God they found Shannon, you would be incorrect. The remains found belonged to Melissa Bartholomew. While they were searching that area, they discovered the remains of three more bodies. These remains belonged to Maureen Braingard, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costella. All four sets of remains were found approximately 500 feet from each other. This set of four remains was designated as the Gilgo Four. This was just the start of the Suffolk County nightmare. All right, guys, before we discuss the victims in the case, let's have a quick word about Surfshark VPN. Surfshark is a VPN, and when it comes to our research, we oftentimes are searching for things that aren't exactly sunshine and puppies. With Surfshark, we can feel safe knowing that we are protected no matter where the web takes us. With Surfshark, you can surf the web without tracking with a VPN, shield your devices with antivirus, and guard your identity with an all-in-one app. A single Surfshark subscription works simultaneously on multiple devices and protects your entire household. They don't monitor, track, or store what you do online. No activity logs. Whatever you do stays with you. Their customer support experts are there for you 24-7. We love Surfshark and know that you will too. But on the off chance that you don't, they do offer a 30-day risk-free money-back guarantee. We're sure you're going to love Surfshark just as much as we do. We have a link in our bio for you to check out. Thank you so much to Surfshark. Now, let's talk a little about the Gilgo 4. Okay, well, the first body that was found, well, not the first one, but the first one we're going to talk about is Maureen Bernard Barnes. She was just a young 25-year-old mother of two when she went missing on July 9th, 2007. Maureen was very petite. Like many of the other victims, she was only about 4'11 and weighed just 105 pounds. She had said that she had planned to spend the day in New York City. Maureen worked as a paid escort through Craigslist to pay the mortgage on her house. She had been out of the sex industry for about seven months, but had recently returned in order to pay her bills after she had received an eviction notice. Shortly after she disappeared, Maureen's friend Sarah received a strange phone call from an unidentified man on an unfamiliar number. The man claimed that he had just seen Maureen and that she was alive and working at a, quote, whorehouse in Queens, end quote. He refused to tell Sarah who he was and did not give the location of where he was supposed to have seen Maureen. He informed Sarah that he would call her back and give her the address, but she never heard from him again. Sarah stated that the man had no discernible New York or Boston accent. When Maureen disappeared, she had been working at the Super 8 Motel in Manhattan. She had called her friend and told her that she was meeting a client outside of the motel. Her body was found December 2010, and there were indications that she had been strangled. The next victim was Melissa Bartholomew. She was the first of the four found. Melissa went missing July 12th of 2009. She was just 24 years old. Like Maureen, Melissa was also petite. She was 4'11 and weighed only 95 pounds. 
Melissa had been living in the Bronx and was also working as an escort through Craigslist. When she disappeared, she had just finished meeting with a client, deposited the $900 into her bank account, and had attempted to call her an old boyfriend, but that call was unsuccessful. About a week later, Melissa's sister Amanda began receiving vulgar, mocking, and insulting phone calls that lasted for about five weeks. These were coming from a man who was using Melissa's cell phone. He may have been Melissa's killer. The man kept asking Amanda if she was a, quote, whore like her sister, end quote. The phone calls became increasingly disturbing, and eventually they culminated into the man telling Amanda that her sister Melissa was dead and that he was, quote, going to watch her rot, end quote. Police did trace some of the calls to Madison Square Gardens, Midtown Manhattan, and Massapequa, but were unable to determine who was making them. You have to remember that this was 2009, and cell phones were still newer, and it was harder to pinpoint exact locations. Melissa's mother said that there were a lot of calls to Manorville from her daughter's phone at the time she went missing. Melissa was found in a burlap sack December of 2010. She had also been strangled. Megan Waterman was the youngest of the Gilgal Four at just 22 years old. She was also the tallest at 5'5". Five five. Megan was the mother of one child. Megan was originally from South Portland, Maine. She went missing June 6, 2010 after she placed some advertisements on Craigslist for escort services. June 5, 2010, she had called her 20-year-old boyfriend to tell him that she was going out and that she would call him later. At the time Megan went missing, she had also been staying in a motel in Haupag, New York, about 15 miles northeast of Gilgo Beach. She was also found in December 2010 and had been strangled as well. And the last of the Gilgo Four was Amber Costello. She was just 27 when she went missing, like Melissa and Maureen. Amber was small. She was 4'11 and weighed just 100 pounds. She was living in West Babylon, New York. West Babylon was about 10 miles north of Gilgo Beach. Amber was a sex worker and heroin user. She went missing on September 10th, 2010. When Amber went missing, she reportedly was going to meet a stranger who had called her multiple times and offered her $1,500 for her services. Amber's family had believed that she was actually in a residential drug rehab, which is why she was not reported missing right away after she stopped responding to phone calls and text messages. Before Amber moved to New York, she had been living in Clearwater, Florida with her second husband. Amber had sadly been sexually assaulted as a child by a neighbor and became addicted to drugs in her teenage years. She was also found in December of 2010, and she had been strangled as well. Just a little side note, uh, Amber's drug use has nothing to do with why she went missing. The person that was abducting them is a terrible person, and no one deserves to have this happen to them, whether they're a drug user or a sex worker. I think it's not okay. Absolutely. So, after finding these four women's bodies, the search was still continuing for Shannon. Instead of finding Shannon's body, they found the remains of four more women. These remains were found between March 29th through April 4th of 2011. 
all four sets of remains were found in another area of the parkway near Oak Beach and Gilgo Beach. This was within two miles and to the east of the four that were found in December of 2010. The newly discovered bodies were those of Jessica Taylor, Valerie Mack, also known as Melissa Taylor, an unidentified woman they called Jane Doe Number 3, or Peaches, and an unidentified toddler that was the daughter of Peaches. At the discovery of these remains, the Suffolk County Police expanded the search area up to Nassau County, up to the Nassau County border to look for more bodies. Once the police expanded the search, they discovered the remains of two more people. On April 11th, 2011, these remains were found about one mile apart and approximately five miles west of the remains found in December. The first set of remains belonged to a victim now thought to be a transgender woman. They were designated as Asian male, and they are thought to have been dead between five to ten years. The next set belonged to a female named Jane Doe, number seven. Part of her, part of her remains had also been found on Fire Island in 1996. So, the police identified the below victims. Uh, Valerie Mack, a.k.a. Melissa Taylor, a.k.a. the Manorville Jane Doe, and Jane Doe number six. Um, I'll get into why she had so many names. Uh, Valerie Mack was also known as Melissa Taylor. She was a 24-year-old resident of Philadelphia when she disappeared in 2000. She was last seen by some family members in the spring or summer in the area of Port Republic, New Jersey. She was also working as an escort. She was also very small, similar to the other victims at just 5 feet tall and 100 pounds. Valerie's partial remains were found in Manorville, November, November 1st, 2000, but they didn't know who she was in two until 2020. Her torso was found wrapped in garbage bags and dumped in the woods near the intersection of Halsey, Halsey Manor Road and Mill Road. And then the police later discovered a head, right foot, and hands on April 4th, 2011. But at the time, they didn't know who they belonged to. So they dubbed those remains Jane Doe number 6. Later on, it was determined that those parts belonged to the torso that was found in 2000. They noticed that her right foot had been cut off above the ankle to possibly conceal a tattoo or identifying mark. On May 28, 2020, the police announced that, that all those remains that had been found were those were determined to be those of Valerie Mack. So her the, that her body was found in different places. Um but DNA wasn't that great, so they didn't really have anything to compare it to. But finally, they they were able to, I guess, declare all of her parts hers, which is why she had so many, like, AKAs, How which is really that? sad. Yeah. That's really sad. Yeah. They didn't know who she was until 2020. Well, the second victim of our second set of four was Jessica Taylor. Jessica was just 20 years old, living in Manhattan when she disappeared on July 21st, 2003. She was also working as a sex worker and had been working in Washington, D.C. and the Manhattan area. She was last seen around the Port Authority bus terminal. On July 26, 2003, a naked and dismembered torso missing the head and hands had been found 45 miles east 
of Gilgo Beach. The torso was discovered on a pile of scrap wood at the east end of Halsey Manor Road. There was plastic sheeting underneath the body and a tattoo had been mutilated with something sharp. Through DNA analysis later that year, the body was determined to be that of Jessica Taylor. Then, on March 29, 2011, the police discovered a skull, a pair of hands, and a forearm. Those were also determined to be Jessica's as well. Karen Vergata, a.k.a. Fire, the Fire Island Jane Doe, a.k.a. Jane Doe number 7. Karen Vergata was a 34-year-old woman from Manhattan. She was also believed to be working as a sex worker when she disappeared in 1996. Karen's severed legs were found in garbage bags on Fire Island on April 20th, 1996. Almost 15 years later, on April 11th, 2011, her skull and several teeth were found on Tobey Beach. Her remains were identified publicly in August of 2023 through DNA. There's not known a whole lot known about her. She was... It's sad because all these women were sex workers, so nobody... I mean, honestly, to be fair, nobody really looked for them. Which is so sad to me. Mm -hmm. They've been missing for a long time. A person is a person. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what their job is or what they choose to do extracurricularly. Right. Whether it's drugs or alcohol or whatever, they're still a person. Somebody loves them. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> the police also discovered three more sets of remains. At this time, those remains have not been identified and no one's come forward to claim them. The first one was Peaches, a.k.a. Jane Doe number three. Jane Doe number three was, was a young African-American woman <laughs> whose remains were found on June 28, 1997. Her torso was found in a green Rubbermaid container dumped along the west side of Hampstead Lake. The investigators reported that the victim's torso had a tattoo on her left breast that was a peach with a bite taken out of it and two drips falling from the core. On April 11, 2011, when the investigators were searching Nassau County, they discovered dismembered skeletal remains in a plastic bag. These remains and the torso that had been found um, have been linked together through DNA testing and have been discovered to be all belonging to Jane Doe number three. Um, you'd think with that um, distinct of a tattoo, someone would know who she is, but n no one's come forward to, and her DNA is not in the system, so they don't know who she is. That's so sad. Yeah. Um, baby Doe has been the only child remains found. She was determined to be between one and four years old. Her remains were found on April 11th, 2011, about 200 feet away from the remains of Valerie Mack. Through DNA analysis, the child's remains were found to be related to peaches. The baby's body had been wrapped in a blanket and showed no visible signs of trauma, which is so disturbing. Like, what happened to that poor child? And how come nobody noticed there was a child missing? That's awful. Mm -hmm. Again, nobody's come forward to claim either one of those two. The next body discovered was the body of a young Asian male. And that was discovered on April 4th, 2011 at Gilgo Beach. It looks like they had died from blunt force trauma. They were found very close to where the Gilgo Four had been found. The victim was found wearing women's clothing. They had been described as being young, 
between 17 and 23, 5 foot 6, and transgender and missing four teeth. They may have had a musculoskeletal disorder that could have affected their gait. The victim had been thought to have been dead for 5 to 10 years. In September of 2011, police released a sketch of the victim. Which again, no one has come forward. On December 13th, 2011, Shannon Gilbert, the woman who had gone missing that had prompted the original search, was found in a marsh about a half a mile from where she originally disappeared. About a week earlier, they had found some of her clothing and other belongings in that same area. Police have stated that Shannon's death is not related to the Long Island serial killer case. Her now-deceased mother has advocated that her daughter was murdered by a serial killer. There is talk that maybe there's two serial killers, which two serial killers burying people in the same location is is it's, not really something that happens unless they were working together. Yeah, it yeah. could be a copycat, but but all the bodies were found around the same time, right? And in so the same place. Yeah, and with. Okay. The other thing is that a lot of them were found with the same sort of, um, like, had been killed the same way. Like, torsos were cut up, body parts were missing, people had been strangled. Like, the Gilgo 4, I get, because they were, their bodies weren't really um, as dismembered as, I mean, I guess everybody was dismembered, but. They were all found in the same place versus being on different islands. Yes. And parts of you know all their parts weren't cut off and it was you know kind of kind of crazy so there has been talk that there is more than one serial killer which i mean is not far-fetched but it it's hard to know it's hard to know so uh there's there's also quite a long list of possible victims um not just those 10 that we talked about before uh, so the first one is Tina uh, Foglia. She was 19. She went missing February 1st, 1982. Her dismembered body was found in three trash bags. She had been found by DOT workers on February 3rd on the side of the road in Suffolk County. A ring that she had been known to wear was missing, and there was an, uh, there was unidentified male DNA on the trash bags. Police have not ruled her death as an early victim of the Long Island serial killer, but have stated that the connection is not an active avenue of investigation, which is kind of surprising seeing how her, her body was dismembered as well. Right. That seems to be the theme for him. I would have to classify this one and the next one, the next couple as being from the same killer, maybe not the one that was arrested for the, the four, but um, definitely the have same killer of the other uh-huh. yeah so the next one is Jacqueline Smith she was only 16 she was last seen in Brooklyn New York she was reported missing August 12 1999 she had left her house to go hang out with some friends she never came back a torso was found near Beach Street in Queens New York on June 20th 2000 and it was later identified as Jacqueline's her other part body parts have never been found so the whole the the whole dismembering thing is just like a big clue that 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 is a serial killer's like that's his calling card basically. Right. Right. So How um awful. Right. 
uh, Andre Isaac. Andre was a professional drag queen. He was just 25 years old at the time of his disappearance in November 2002. He was last seen getting into the car of a, quote, secret friend, end quote. His torso was later found on Beach Street on December 17th, 2002, the same place that Jacqueline's was found. His head was later discovered with a bullet wound to the temple January 25th, 2003. His arms and legs were found several miles away in plastic bags. See, it's just too, like, they can't, they have a signature. Like, this is a signature. Yeah, they, they definitely fall under the same MO. Yep. Jamie Seymour, not to be confused with Jane Seymour. Jamie was 21 years old when she was last heard from on July 22nd, 2005. She had called her father to let him know that she needed a ride home from the Port Authority. She then had called her mother from someone else's phone and was not seen or heard from again. She, however, was not reported missing by her parents until August 8th, 2005, roughly two weeks after they had heard from her. Her body has also never been found, and her parents believe that she met with foul play. I'm not sure I would move her into that category, seeing how there's not been a body found from her. Still so sad, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tanya Rush. Tanya was 39 when she went missing on June 23rd, 2008. She was last seen walking towards a subway station in Brooklyn, New York. Her dismembered body was found by a state road cleaning crew inside a black suitcase on June 27, 2008. At the time of her death, she was a mother of three who had taken up sex work to, to support her drug addiction, which is also sad. That's so sad. Those four kids are growing up now without a mom. Mm-hmm. Shannon Gilbert, who was the start of why all these women were found, basically. Um, she was a 24-year-old escort who may have been, who could have been a victim of the Long Island serial killer. She was, I mean, the reason the bodies, the other bodies were found. She left for a client's residence in Oak Beach after midnight on May 1st, 2010. At 4.51 in the morning, 911 dispatchers received a panicked call from Gilbert, who could be heard saying that there was someone after her and that they were trying to kill her. She was last seen a short time later banging on the front door of a nearby Oak Beach residence and screaming for help before running off into the night. After 19 months of searching, police found Gilbert's remains in a marsh half a mile away from where she was last seen. In May 2012, the Suffolk County Medical Examiner ruled that Gilbert accidentally drowned after entering the marsh. They believe that she was in a drug-induced panic and have concluded that hers was death by misadventure or inconclusive. Her family believes that she was murdered. On November 15, 2012, a lawsuit was filed by her mother, Mary Gilbert, against the Suffolk County Police Department in the hopes of getting more answers about what happened to her daughter the night she went missing. Due to the controversy about Gilbert's death, in September of 2014, forensic pathologist Michael Baden agreed to conduct an independent autopsy of Gilbert's remains in hopes of determining a clear cause of death. Upon examination of Gilbert's remains, Baden found damage to her hyoid bone, suggesting that strangulation may have occurred. Baden also noticed that her body was found face up, which is not common for drowning victims. Yeah, I would say that the uh, the original medical examiner was kind of not very good. 
Despite this, her death is still officially listed as an accident because well, he was just a forensic bone. That's, I mean, that's not a bone that necessarily breaks easily. No, there has to be, I mean, some strangling some, happened. Yeah, there has to be some serious force. So it's not like However, she accidentally went into the marsh herself. and strangled herself. Right. July 23rd, 2016, Mary Gilbert was murdered in her home in Ellenville, in Ellenville, New York. Later that day, her younger daughter, Sarah Elizabeth Gilbert, was arrested and charged with the stabbing death of her mother. On May 6, 2020, the New York State Supreme Court ordered the Suffolk County Police to release Gilbert's 911 call recording, denying their request to withhold it after more than 10 years. On May 13, 2022, the Suffolk County Police Department released the 911 call. I feel bad for um, Shannon's poor mother. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's oh just trying to find gosh. her daughter and then her other daughter murders her. Was there a reason? Was she like mentally it, unstable? Was she on it drugs? It didn't say. There's not a whole lot awful. about that. I didn't go searching for it because I didn't. I mean, she's not. She's part of the story, but she's not. Right. You know what I mean? That's, That's a whole sad. different story. And then the last one is Natasha Hugo. Natasha was 31 when she disappeared from her Queens Village home in New York on March 16th, 2013. On March 14th, 2013, her wallet, keys, and some clothing were found along Ocean Parkway near Gilgo Beach. Her car was found abandoned near the beach with some footprints headed towards the water. Her body was later discovered floating in the water by some beachgoers at 9.30 p.m. on June 24th, 2013. Her body had no obvious signs of trauma. I don't know if I would classify her in this whole string of of possibly being murdered by a serial killer. I have to agree. And not to be trauma. mean about it. The lack of trauma, the fact that her car was found near the beach with footprints heading towards the water. She could have just... Like, her wallet, her keys, her clothes were all found along the beach she could have just decided to end, end it, all. it all yeah right and maybe you know in hopes of of somebody being able to identify her for her family or something right she left everything behind right so these murders went cold for quite some time until july 14th of 2023 when police arrested 59-year-old Rex Howerman, who was working as an architect in his own firm in downtown Manhattan. He was arrested and charged with the, the murder of the three women that were found on Gilgo Beach first. He's also a prime suspect in the fourth murder as her body was found close to the other three. The judge has now ordered Rex to provide a DNA sample. Rex has currently pled not guilty to these three murders, so they've linked him to um, several burner phones that he used to contact these victims. Because he's a oh. mm -hmm. So Rex is a Long Island native, married, not anymore, and the father of two children. Um, his wife is currently divorcing him. So there's that. That's fair. People, yeah. People that he has worked with have described him as arrogant and creepy. Um. 
he, one of the women that he worked with, he didn't even really work with her. He just like met her at a board meeting and then um, obsessively called her for like three weeks and left her horrible, horrible messages. So he was first linked to, to the case in March of 2022 when investigators discovered that a Chevy avalanche that was possibly spotted by a witness when Amber Costello went missing had belonged to him. So that's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, They have served more than 300 subpoenas and search warrants and uncovered records for multiple burner phones that were used to contact all of the Gilgo four. Um, They've also linked him to the taunting phone calls that were made to family members of some of the missing women. These were actually made from the Midtown Manhattan area where Rex's office was located. Uh, There was also hair located on the burlap sack used to wrap up Mrs. Waterman or Miss Waterman. But at the time, DNA testing was not as advanced. So they didn't really know who who it was. They just had the DNA sample. The surveillance team that had been surveilling Rex collected his DNA from a discarded pizza box. And it was confirmed it was a confirmed match to the hair that was found on the burlap sack. Okay, that's some of my favorite mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, like ways because to people somebody. people are stupid. Yep, your trash on on the curb is it's public. An, yep, it's abandoned it property. Is, yep, you don't have to. There's no search warrant that has to be served on it. You throw it in the trash can and put it out on your curb. It's abandoned property. It's trash. It, nobody cares. So, yeah. if you don't want to get caught up in a murder, don't throw your shit in your own trash. Don't murder people. Let's start yeah. there. I mean, I mean, if you have to, just follow the rules of murdering. Of murdering. <laughs> well, it's important to note that um, the judge uh, on August, uh, when his first court hearing was, was in August, was um, had ordered Rex to provide a DNA sample. Um, this is so that they can p- compare the sample from him to the pizza box that they recovered from his trash. And this is really also his attorneys cannot come back and say that the pizza box DNA belonged to somebody else. So if his DNA matches the DNA on the pizza box that matches the DNA on the burlap sack, there's no way saying that he wasn't involved in any of that. Ooh, I hope that he gets caught. Yep. I hope he's, he's not the guy who gets off on a technicality. Right. Because which unfortunately, wh- our justice system is flawed, and there's a really right. solid chance that he could. Which is why I think they wanted the DNA, like an, a legit DNA sample from him to yeah. compare to all of those things, which is smart. So he's also accused of searching on his computer, which is another dumb thing. Why could law enforcement not trace the calls made by the Long Island serial killer? Why hasn't the Long Island serial killer been caught? And new phone technology may be a key to to break in the case. And he also was searching sadistic torture-related porn, child porn, and other disturbing content. Oh, Um, Lock him away for the child porn alone. Right? So, more forensic analysis revealed that female hair... There were female hairs found in three crime scene locations, um, and those were found to belong to Mr. Howerman's wife. However, what? 
However, the authorities have determined through cell phone records that Mr. Howerman's wife was out of the state when the murders took place. So that's just transfer DNA, which is why I can never murder anybody because I have so much fucking dog hair. (laughs) 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 And my own hair falling out. It would be bad. It is bad. I'm just saying if he had Surfshark... And you know, was actually using a VPN. Oh, he's right. History would have been smart. Be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yep. saying. Yeah, shout out so, to Surfshark. all you serial killers out there. Start using Surfshark. I mean, no, we use our so, link. <laughs> At the time that Bartholomew went missing in July 2009, Mr. Howerman's wife was in Iceland, so she couldn't have murdered her. Um, she was in Maryland around the time um, Waterman disappeared, and. She was in New Jersey when Costella had last been seen in September. So that's crazy. Uh, yeah. You think that he was trying to plant his wife's DNA though? I, I don't think he was trying to plant it plant it. I think it was just on his clothes and he's a dummy. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, I assumed I don't know why. I was assuming um her hair. I was assuming pubic hair for some reason. No, it's like her head hair. Yeah. Yes. I'm following again. It's also um, likely that the burlap sack, the tape, and the vehicles and other instrumentals utilized in the furtherance of these murders came from defendant Howerman's residence where his wife also resides or was transferred from his clothing. So that's why his wife's stuff was on there and like. Poor thing. Yeah, can you imagine? No. So he has court again in September. Um, I don't know the exact date. They're kind of keeping that a little bit. Uh, I've been searching. Yeah, all I can find is it's in September. It doesn't give me an exact date. Um, but this sure is interesting. It's been a long time coming for for Mr. Howerman, and I hope he gets charged with I mean, I hope he gets convicted of at least the three murders, and that gives those three families something to hold on to. Um, I'm not sure what they'll do with the fourth one at this time. They haven't really decided if that's something that he's done. Um, I'm sure it it probably does that that killing probably does belong to him since they were found in the same area, buried in this like, you know, within feet of each other. Right. But we'll be sure to keep you updated on any happenings with this case since it's ongoing but i wanted to talk about it because it is a big case it's been a long time coming case for sure and i've heard about it i've heard bits and pieces Uh, obviously it's been in the news lately because of the arrest right um but that's kind of why Corey took the lead on this one because i didn't know anything about it and i don't know how i missed anything but what a what a sad case Plus, you know, my weird fascination with serial killers, so whatever. That's fair. Yeah. I, I've heard, like, bits and pieces. I, I do remember Shannon. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when that happened, and I remember the call and all of that. But just an interesting, such a sad, sad case. And it'll be interesting. I think they, I think, um, I well, I knew about it because they found so many bodies in one place, but right. I think there was like um like a criminal minds or something that did like you know how they play off similar cases. Um gotcha. Yes. I think there was one where they found a bunch of bodies on a beach or something like that. Which crazy. is why yeah, it, I think it's crazy that first of all, it's crazy that 
those bodies have been there since, you know, how, however long. And in 2011, people are like, oh, there's a bunch of bodies over here. What? Like, you didn't notice that before? Yeah. <laughs> or, or the fact that they found Shannon Gilbert only a half a mile from where she disappeared. Why didn't anyone look over there? Like, I don't, right. I don't understand that part. And that's why it's frustrating. You know, I think a lot of it is because of drug use and sex work that right. these people go under the radar because they're sex workers and drug addicts. Yes. And unfortunately, no one... they are mm-hmm. stigmatized. Which sucks. It does suck. It's heartbreaking. There's still people. There's still mm-hmm. somebody's loved ones. They're mothers and sisters and aunts and siblings and you know it's just it's it's a sad case so well, it's also it's also kind of sad that some of them hadn't even been reported missing for quite some time because of that reason because their families were like well they use drugs or they do sex work like they disappear for for weeks at a time it's nothing unusual or you right. know right well, and poor peach is still not having mm-hmm. been identified right. by her family mm-hmm. and not only peaches but her her poor child that's just awful Yep. You know, they were just a little innocent baby, essentially. Right. All right, crime fans. Until next time, thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already, please subscribe so you can be notified every time we upload. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are released every Friday at 1030 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Please give us a follow on Instagram at Colorado Crime Pod or on Facebook at Colorado Crime Podcast for information on next week's episode as well as other true crime happenings. We hope you have a beautiful day wherever you are. And as always, stay safe. Until next time, podcastians, have the weekend you deserve.